Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Otherwise, we're always going to be worshiping mountains. <laughs> because we'll bow to fear of them and run from responsibility in order to find an easier path. But God would place the promise right next to the problem to bring us to the place of problem when we find out He's bigger than that thing that we've been afraid to face. So this is what the Lord does in Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15, He tells Eve and gives Eve this, this kind of crazy problem that Eve, the mother of all living things, is going to have to face a battle. That she's going to experience pain. And in the original language, it, it reads kind of funny. We read it as pain in childbearing. And no doubt, that's painful. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Ladies, that was your time to show out and really shine there. But the way it reads in the, in the text, it reads that the pain would be in actually the making of the child. Which is actually the least painful part. Can I get an amen there? Yeah. So what is the Lord saying by this language? He's saying that the pain of childbearing is actually encompassing the whole process of the child. That a woman would have to worry about every stage of that process even after birth wondering if they're going to be okay. That the pain of motherhood encompasses entire processes of life and that there would never be a time where that mom would be at ease knowing that the kid is out there somewhere. Birthing pains are one thing. Growing pains are another. Can I get an amen? And how many of you know, have you ever had a wayward kid? Growing pains are harder than birthing pains. And this is what the Lord is kind of revealing to, to Eve is that there's going to be a painful process of contending for the destiny of the promise. And there'll be times that the promise even looks like the problem. Do I got any church folk in here? I feel like I just walked into First Lutheran today. I'm telling you the promise is right next to your problem. It's right there. Go get it. Face up to the problem. Because that's where God has hidden the promise. So he tells Eve, you're going to have pain and childbearing. And guess what? There's going to be a power struggle between you and this man. Supposed to be mutual submission. No one over the other. Instead, there's a power struggle. Oh, nobody married in here. Okay. Okay. Power struggle. Fight. Who's going to win? Because you know the complicated thing about mutual submission? Who's going to give first? Yeah. 
So in the middle of all the complication, pain and child rearing, struggle and complications in relationship. Tucked in the middle, you ready? You're going to have a seed that's going to receive a fatal wound. But in that fatal wound, you're going to crush the dragon's head. That the complicated part of your life is actually the part that God wants to touch. And it's the part you've been unwilling to reveal and to give to him. So remember, the promise is tucked into the middle of the problem. So in the middle of the one in the garden that kind of offset what we would come to know as the fall, Eve, God says, but in the place of complication, I'm going to begin to put my promise right smack dab in the middle of the woman. That God would go to the place, the highest complications, and that would be the place where he would bring about redemption. So when we see in scriptures of, of God building things, the first time that we see him building something is Eve. Because he creates the world. He baraws the world out of nothing. Barah, barah. Let there be, let there be, let there be. But when he comes to man, you know what he does to man and woman? He says, let us. So in other words... He's not saying let there be. He's saying let us. It was in the divine mind of God and his image that he would create humanity. And when he says let us create men, the Bible moves from this picture of Barah to this other Hebrew word called Asah. So there's a part of you made out of nothing that God spoke. There's another part of you made out of something. That God would show the image of who he is by creating an orchard, a place for humanity and God to dwell forever. And that he would get down in the mud, in the complications of life, in the clay. And that he would mold something so humble that the angels would look and say, why are you trying to give that all the power and dominion and glory? To which God says... Oh, I like getting my hands dirty. We have a God who likes to wash feet. Yeah. This is what the scripture says. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. It's the first time the Lord actually built something. Here's what he built. Then the Lord made a woman from the part he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to 
the man. That word made there in the Hebrew is banah, which actually means to build. It's the same place. It's the same word that's used throughout Scripture to build something. So when God wanted to build a place for himself to live, you know what he did? He made a woman. That ladies, you were God's first choice of where he wanted to live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't believe me. Well, we got bookends here. You ready? They've got Eve. But Eve partakes of the wrong fruit. Garden motif here. All throughout scripture. Eve takes of the wrong fruit. So God has to begin to create other creative ways to create a place for him and humanity to dwell together forever, which is his eternal purpose. So he starts with this guy named Abraham. And then God's house went from intended to be Eve to now being Abraham's tent. So now God has a family tent. It moves in scripture to Moses' tabernacle, which becomes the place where God dwells with the people of Israel. It moves forward and goes into the temple of Solomon and takes up about an acre. Ezekiel has a vision of a temple in the 40th chapters of Ezekiel, and he sees a tabernacle, a temple so glorious that it actually takes up four acres. Okay? Then it's all torn down. Babylonian army rises up, they tear it down, it gets rebuilt, but it's not very impressive. But then God begins to move into another place where he begins to say, I want to build again. And I want to build the way I intended to build in Eve. And so he finds a 12 to 14 year old girl in her room in Israel named Miriam. <laughs> and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit overshadows her and begins to speak a promise that God's about to speak his creative word and put his presence back inside his intended building which was Eve. That God is creating a second Eve. And this one wouldn't take of the fruit of Satan and his plans. But this one would be blessed in the fruit of her womb would house the glory of God. Yeah. That a woman would become the changing room of God's great, glorious, salvific act in the world. And that God would banal again and put his presence in Mary. That God went to the place of seeming failure of Genesis 3 and says, oh, no, 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 that's not a failure. I'm going to redeem all things. And that's actually going to be the intended place to where I want to live, where I want to move, where I want to have my being, being. And that's where the eternal purposes of God are going to be birthed out of. It'll be the place of a woman.
Now, I was, I was just struck by this picture that I saw. I actually saw it a couple years ago, but it, it came to mind for Mother's Day. But it's this picture. It's actually a picture of, uh, it's done with a pen and crayon. And it was done by um, a lady um, in a monastery. But it really got traction because of the story that it portrayed. And when I started looking at it, I was just started being moved by the Holy Spirit that like, like this is what the Lord did. Is that you can see Eve and Eve is looking and all she can look down at, she can't even make eye contact with Mary. All she can see is the fruit of her bad decisions. How many of you are bad pickers? Three honest people in here. That's what I had a friend say. I had a friend say, I got saved, but my picker's still broke. And I said, yeah, it is. <clears throat> but, um, but in the end of the day, we're all bad pickers. I mean, my goodness. It's like, if it's shiny and flashy, we're, we're on it, man. We're on it. <laughs> Just be honest. But then when we taste of the fruit of the seeds that's on the inside... Wasn't what we thought. And so in this picture, Eve is just, all she can look at is her bad choice. It's all she can see. But look where Mary is looking. She's looking at the choice. But do you know what I think she's looking at, really? I think she's looking past the choice and seeing Eve's repentant heart. And as she's looking past Eve's repentant heart, where does she place Eve's other hand? On the promise. So you got one hand on the problem and one hand on the promise. And you've got to realize... You've got to realize which one are you going to focus on. One leg is wrapped up with what? But do you know what Mary's foot's doing? Stepping on its head. So you're caught in the paradox of having one leg wrapped with the dragon. And those of you in the battle for godliness know what I'm talking about. But you got to remember, you have a free leg that's made for stomping the enemy. And so I think God is really just trying to paint this picture here of our greatest efforts to evade the problem and to evade the process and to evade the circumstances and to pray our problems away. Oh, God, will it go away? Oh, God, will it go away? Make it go away. Make it go away. And God's like, no, that's where I put the promise. If the problem goes, the promise is right there next to it. So it's this embracing of that which was cursed and moving into the grace of God that says, no, I don't deserve it. Yes, I've messed up. 
yes, of whatever, but I'm going to stand in faith, in boldness, amidst the complication, amidst the mistakes, amidst the wrong choices, and I'm going to stand right in the middle of that and believe that God's grace is good enough to begin to move in and to resolve this thing and begin to move in and begin to finish the work that he started. That it's the tension of the problem that brings me into faith realms to birth the promise. Because everything about this was complicated. I know we like kind of doctor it up as like the Christmas story. But this is an unwed teenager. This is complicated. And God doesn't wait for it to get less complicated. He complicates it more. <laughs> so someone's like, man, I just, want the pro- I just want the promise. And it's like, well, can you bear the complication? Because a yes to God is going to mean a lot of other no's. Yeah. Because your yes has to be singular. It can't be a divided yes. It's yes to him. And then a sea of no's. Well, God, I said yes. But I only hear no's around me. Welcome to the promise. Welcome to the promise. And you have to... Get your eyes off of this guy. And you've got to get your eyes on the fruit of the womb, on Jesus. You've got to get your eyes on what God is doing and his intentions. And this is where the Lord is moving. He's moving us to quit evading him. Quit telling God that he can't go there. Because if you don't let God there, guess who will get there? That's what we don't realize. We create these vacuums in our life and think that nothing fills them. If you keep creating vacuums in your life, something's going to fill it. And you get the choice within the garden of your heart to choose what's going to fill that vacuum. It's the power of choice. It's the power of saying yes to God. Because every area I say yes to him, I give him permission to come in and to dwell that part of my life which pushes Satan further out of the realms of my heart and my soul and everything else that I'm working towards. It's it's a full yes to God. It's a singular yes to God. It's just yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus. Like that's the Christian walk. It's a singular yes and amen that's found in Jesus. And it's not content for anything else but His presence and His glory. It's got to have Him. It's got to have Him. He's got to be at the center of it all. And we spend our time creating all these boundaries and margins and call it being healthy. And I'm like, no, nobody knows you. (laughs) It's like, you got to say yes to him. And when you say yes to him and he begins to fill and invade your life, 
get ready, it's going to get complicated. <laughs> it's going to be glorious, but oh man, is it going to be complicated. <laughs> because he's got this thing about being God. I don't know what's wrong, you know. He's, he's, he's just got this thing about it. That God would build a place for himself to dwell. And that he would choose ladies. <laughs> that he would exalt women in such a way. And that would be his choice. That he didn't find a warrior king. He didn't find a warrior king. He found a young lady. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for the humble of heart don't understand or get it all but know how to say yes to Jesus know how to say yes to him so this is the kind of the idea that God is making and molding he's building a house and he's doing it in a unique fashion and there's a pattern in Genesis that kind of shows us kind of what, as God plants this orchard east of Eden uh, in, in this garden, as he plants it, he begins to move into the, to the reality of creating those who are going to be in his image, who are going to represent him and, and work this garden and, and till the garden and steward it for his glory. And when he does, he, he creates this orchard, but then the Bible says that he... Uh, has this river that comes through. So you have this beautiful orchard with this river flowing through it. And how many of you know, if you've got dirt and you've got water, what do you have? <laughs> that God creates this river to mingle with the earth. And he gets down and begins to create and begins to mold and shape man. That out of the ground and out of water, God creates humanity. Now remember, where did God get Eve from? Yeah, side. Now I want to show you something really quick. And we'll come to a close here. I want to show you this. In John chapter 19, verse 34, look at this. It says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and blood and water flowed out immediately. So remember this. Adam was in a deep sleep and out of his side comes a bride. Jesus in the deepest sleep, death, gets poked. And this poke was like to see if you were awake and still alive. 
he gets poked, and from his side comes blood and water. And where does it fall to? Ah, so that from Jesus' side, he would begin to take the river of life that is Jesus and would begin to mold and reshape humanity from that wound in his side. So we see it as a wound. God sees it as a birthing stage, as an open door to create new humanity in his image once again. The first man was made with mud, made with dirt and water. The second man, the second woman was made out of blood, water, and earth. Blood to cover the sin, water to wash away the stain. From the same humble beginnings, but yet fully redeemed, fully covered. So right in the middle of the problem, Jesus on the cross, oh no, that's just a river. That's just a river that's going to bring healing to the nations. And anytime you accept him and you go through that pathway of his pain, you enter into the promise. And then suddenly you become the agents of change that are made in his image that are bringing about the healing of the nations. It's a funny thing that in the book of Revelation, we start with a garden in Genesis and we end with a healing garden in Revelation. But it says that the leaves, remember this? The leaves are healing for the nations. Wonder kind of looks like a leaf. That the work that God's doing is so great that it's not just the fruit that's healing. It's the leaves. Yeah. It's that God is stitching it all together. But you're going to have to be resolved enough to go through the process. And what I've found in my prayer life is I'll move from praying things I want to see God do. And I have to move from that to say, God, what do you want to do? And I find myself beginning to be bent into the purposes of God as I begin to actually lay down my ideas of what it should be, and I begin to embrace the cross of self-denial and say, God, what do you want to make it to be? And that's where the freedom is. That's where the freedom is. God wants to create new humanity. And he's using pain as the doorway to go through to find it. Adam fell in a great sleep and out came a bride. Jesus fell into a deep sleep and out came a bride. (laughs) So women, be encouraged. I know there's a lot of pain with raising some rascals. Those rascals aren't the problem. They're actually the promise. 
So just get your eyes off of this. <laughs> get your eyes off <laughs> the promise of God. And keep contending. Keep pushing. Keep fighting. Because I'm going to tell you something. Once you endure the problem, the thing that Satan meant to destroy you, actually gives you the shoulders to bear the thing. And it works right in the opposite against it. Yeah. Works right in the opposite. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you, God. God, we thank you for moving and doing what you do. God, I pray that you would just, just wash through this place. God, that you would just move like you've never moved, God. Lord, that you would just invade our heart. That every pain, every problem is pointing to the promise and purpose of our life. So Lord, give us the courage to go deeper with you. Give us the courage to go where we're afraid to go. As we move with you. Thank you, Jesus. Remake us, God. Restore us, oh God. Redeem us, oh God. Redeem us, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.